Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes is the bishop of the Potter's House Church in Dallas, Texas. He is most known for authoring over 30 books, acting in and producing films throughout his production company, T.D.J. Enterprises, as well as his world-renowned sermons and teachings. You can watch T.D. Jakes Sundays on Miracle Channel. Let's dive into the message. We see this, this, this prolific, profound writer writing to Rome, 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 Rome. Rome is, Rome is at its time, if you'll allow me to talk about it a minute. It, it is the epicenter of the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was moving all across the world with such rapidity that we have never seen anything as mammoth or colossal before its time like Rome who began to enter into territories and take over principalities and rule powers and they had locations and satellites everywhere and the headquarters and the epicenter of their new form of government, a early form of democracy as it were, is based in Rome. It is a political hub, it is, it is a place of intellectualism as well as politics. It is, it is a place where Socrates and Aristotle and all great philosophers came to think and to debate. It was wrong. It was wrong. It's utterly amazing, amazing in terms of politics, amazing in terms of conquest, amazing in terms of government, amazing in terms of diversity. It was utterly amazing, amazing spiritually. There were all kinds of spiritual ideas that existed in Rome. There was a large contingency of Jews and early Judaism that was practiced in Rome, but there was also a, a form of religion called emperor worship that were, they worshiped emperors and powers and then there was the, the whole notion of Zeus and, and all of the, the mythology that we now almost laugh at. It's into that arena that Paul comes. Imagine with me this city with about a million people in it, amassed around water at that time, had become the premier most important place of its air. And God used it in a mighty way. It, it, it is from this place that many ideas are espoused, that, that cause people to change their way of living, that other forms of government begin to adopt and adapt. And in some ways, to me, when you look at Rome, if you study it carefully, it kind of reminds you of America. <laughs> There is a, a, a phrase, e pluribus unum, 
out of many one that you have on your coins. It's Latin. It's the, the idea that even though we have many principalities and powers, we have one government. We, we emulate that in our country right now. Out of our diverse states, we have one people. And the idea is e pluribus unum, that we are many, but we are one. There must be something about Rome that is so central to Paul's destiny, a role that only he could play because the enemy did everything he could to stop the Apostle Paul from getting there. When you start talking about the importance of, of Paul, whose name was also Saul, Saul, his name Saul represented the fact that he was a Hebrew, that he was of Hebraistic uh, descent, that he was uh, of the, uh, of the Pharisees, that he was uh, a significant historically to the development of Judaism, that he was zealous concerning the law, that he was of the tribe of Benjamin, he was a part of royalty, his name was Saul, but when we call him Paul, his name Paul represents the fact that he is a citizen of Rome. So while he is Jewish in his descent, he is a citizen of Rome, and Paul is coming home different from how he left. At one time, he left there committed to killing Christians, and now he comes back as a Christian to project an idea that all of his friends would have scoffed at. As long as he was hating Christians, he was expect, respected as a theologian and a scholar and a thinker, but now he has become infected or affected by this Christianity through something that happened to him on the Damascus Road that had so revolutionized his life that it compromised the respect of other scholars of his era that Paul would buy into such foolishness and father was considered ridiculous and whenever he started preaching it amongst the intellectuals they laughed at him but he preached it anyway some places they stoned him but he preached it anyway other places they beat him but he preached it anyway and he preached it on his way back to Rome and Paul went through the greatest test on his way to Rome because until faith comes home, it doesn't matter where it travels. I'm going to say that again. Until faith comes home, it doesn't matter where it travels. The enemy doesn't mind you being a Christian at the potter's house. You get your praise on at the potter's house, get your dance in at the potter's house. He doesn't want the faith that you have here to go back home, to be a part of your life, to be a part of your character, to be a part of your business, your affairs, your thinking, and how you interact with people. He doesn't mind you playing church for an hour or two, once a week, dancing and shouting and hooping and hollering, as long as you go home fussing and cussing and fighting and stressed out and nervous and full of anxiety. It's when you try to bring your faith home that all hell breaks loose. <laughs> On his way home, he has to fight off storms and hurricanes, enemies, seen and unseen, snakes, serpents, destitution and death. The closer he got to Rome, the greater the test became. 
The test often becomes greatest when you are closest. The test has become great and it's become overwhelming because, because Paul has come to Rome to deliver a revolutionary idea that would be life-changing, that would be mesmerizing, that would be absolutely awesome, that would change the face of the faith of an entire city, a world, a generation and generations to come. Paul comes to Rome to talk to them about faith and you get to listen at his writings to Rome in this text today when he begins to argue that Christ is more than some guy who got crucified. That he came to deliver something that would set us free before God. And he says that the way to access God is by faith. It's not by baptism. It's not by abstaining from eating meats. It's not by observing certain days. It's not by doing nice things for poor people. He said all of that is good, but what really accesses this grace is faith. The enemy doesn't mind you dancing and leaping and hooping and hollering and running as long as you don't believe. I don't have to worry, is God mad at me? I don't have to worry, is God trying to kill me? I don't have to worry, is God trying to destroy me? I don't have to worry, is God my enemy? No, I have peace with God because, not because I'm holy, I have peace because I believe by faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, not by dance, not by shout, not by running, not by hollering, not by beating a tambourine, but Woman, if you believe me, as the scriptures have said, then out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Paul is preaching the power of faith. Before we were called Baptists and Presbyterian and Pentecostal and Church of God and Church of God in Christ, before we were called Christians, we were called believers. Because if two of them got in a city, they would turn the city upside down. Here he teaches that faith gives me access. Faith gives me access to the grace I'm standing in right now. Faith gives me access. Faith is the door that gives me access to the grace that I'm standing in right now. How are you going to get there? By faith. Yeah. How are you going to get healed? By faith. How are you going to survive? By faith. How are you going to prosper? By How are you going to preach? How you gonna live? How you gonna deal with your issues? By faith. By faith. Paul teaches us some important principles that we need to understand. And so the enemy is trying to stop the important man from coming to an important place. And what we are seeing is the detonation of the right person in the right place, at the right time, changes everything. The right person, in the right place, at the right time, changes everything. The right person, in the right place, 
at the right time changes everything. I'm going to say it again. The right person in the right place at the right time changes everything. That's why the, the enemy wants you to be late. Because if he can't stop you from being the right person, and he can't stop you from going to the right place, he doesn't want you to be there at the right time. He has done everything he could to delay Paul from being the right person at the right place at the right time. All you got to do, baby, is show up when you are the right person and you are in the right place. All you got to do is say, I'm here. Touch your neighbor and say, show up for the fight. You might be scared, but show up for the fight. You may be broke, but show up for the fight. They may be talking about you, but show up for the fight. They may not like you, but show up for the fight. They may have threatened you, but show up for the fight. They may try to intimidate you, but show up for the fight. I'm here. God can't bless you if you're not there. Show up. Can I go deeper in this word? I want you to get this. I want you to get this. God gave me this for you. He said, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He said, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, this is easy. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice. When I say, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When I start saying, you're more than a conqueror through him that loves me, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When I say, your latter days shall be greater than your former days, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When I say, the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When I say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We do good rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. We have survived because we rejoice in hope. When all hell is around us, we rejoice in hope. That's why we are hard to kill. You can put us in the desert and we can survive in the desert. You can put us in the jungle and we can survive in the jungle because we rejoice not in where I'm at, but in the hope of where I'm going. But here Paul argues, he says that we must do more than rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He says that we must also learn, and this is hard, to rejoice in tribulation. Shadabai. That you can't just rejoice over how you want your story to end. The real test of faith is to rejoice in trouble. He says to us that tribulation, check this out, tribulation has a job. Tribulation has a job. Paul says that tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation went to work this morning on you. <laughs> Tribulation 
worketh patience. Trouble teaches you patience. I'm believing God, I'm going to get it by Tuesday. I believe in God, I'm gonna get it by Friday. Okay, devil is a lie, it's coming by Thursday. If it don't come by Thursday, I know it's gonna come by Saturday night. By Sunday morning, you start saying, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They surmount up <laughs> like eagles. Y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> Tribulation works patience. And it is in patience that you have experience. There ain't nothing like experience. I am convinced that there is nothing like experience. Patience gives you an experience. An experience gives you hope. Experience gives you hope. Let me show you what I mean. When I get in trouble now, I tell myself, you've been here before. <laughs> It ain't like this is new. You don't know what this is about. You've been here before. You've seen God do this before. You've seen God bring you out of this before. This isn't your first time. See, experience gives you hope. You, you remember how you, did, you didn't think you was going to make it last time, and God made a way out of nowhere. See, that ain't how I preach to you. That's how I preach to me. That's what I tell myself driving down the road. You've been lied on before. You've been hated before. You've been threatened before. You've been talked about before. You survived that. You can survive this. Greater is he. Oh, who am I preaching to this morning? For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were yet, when we were yet without strength, when we were yet without strength. Have you ever tried to open up a bottle and you couldn't open it up? You knew what you wanted, but you didn't have enough strength. It, it, we were, it's not that we're without vision, but we were without strength. I knew what right was, but I couldn't do it because I was without strength. I knew I should have been a better husband, but I couldn't be it because I was without strength. I know what a good wife looks like, but I couldn't, couldn't do it because I was with, 
outstripped. I knew I was staying too late for lunch. I knew that it wasn't going to be cool for me to take a two-hour lunch break. I, I, I knew that I should have a certain class about me and a finesse when I went to work, but I was yet without... I knew my temper got out of control, but I was without strength. The Bible says when we were yet without strength, when, when, we, when we had a couldn't help it. Yes, there it is. <laughs> now, I know you don't want nobody to know that you got a couldn't help it, but everybody in here got a couldn't help it. You don't testify about it. You don't talk about it. You don't want people to know about it unless they got the same couldn't help it so y'all can't help it together. <laughs> Other than that, we don't talk to people about what we can't help. But while we had a couldn't help it, couldn't fix it, couldn't stop it, couldn't break it, Christ died for us. Christ died for weak, broken, confused, afflicted, hurting, limited people. He did not die for people who had it all together. He died for brother can't help it. For sister can't get it together. For elder hothead. For missionary talk too much. When we were yet without strength, mm -hmm. Christ died for us. Yes. Let me tell you why the church is weak today. Uh -huh. The church is weak today because the church is carnal today. Right. Right. Used to be, I thought carnal churches were churches that didn't praise the Lord, but that's, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. No, 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 that's not it. It is what you are praising him for. We are so carnal today that our relationship with God fluctuates based on our circumstance. When we need something done, we get real spiritual. Soon as we get out of trouble, we go back to what we were doing before. Carnal, carnal, carnal relationships with God. Based on circumstances and people who's in your life and who walked out of your life. And now you coming to church because she going to church. What happened when she leave you? Cheat on you. God say, how you like me now? I want, I, want, I, want, I, want, I want to see where you're serving me or where you're serving her. Can I come on up with this? 
I want to explain to you why you lose some stuff. You lose some stuff because you worship some stuff. <laughs> you lose it because God is jealous. And he said, I will have no other God before me. And I will take you through some stuff to see if you are praising me because of him or because of me. Because of her or because of me. Are you praising me for the house or are you praising me for me? I'm going to put you. Until we go back to our roots. Until we go back to anointing our house with oil. Till we go back to pleading the blood. Till we go back to laying hands on our children. Till we go back to joining hands around the dinner table and say, sickness, you can't come in this family. The blood of Jesus is against you. I command you to lose your hope until we come out of the closet and say I'm a blood washed, born again, Holy Ghost filled, child of the King. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.